Welcome to Count Four and You're In, a father and son podcast, where Harley Rodica chats to his dad, professional New Zealand drummer Marcel Rodica, delving deep into his history and journey into the heart of the Australasian music industry, taking on the world with New Zealand band Mother Goose and his survival as a working drummer today. Okay, so we're back chatting with mum and dad again. Hi, Harley. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Hi, Harley. Hello, hello. Um, so you've just been married and just moved to Perth. So, mum, what were your thoughts about moving there? I was excited about Perth. I was going to a warm city, beaches, and um, it was a new new band for Marcel, joining Perfect Strangers. So, yeah, I was pretty excited. I was also very fortunate the um, job that I had in Melbourne and the company I was working for there just transferred me to uh, the department store in Perth. So I was working for Clinique Cosmetics at that time. Yeah. And so they were really good at giving me um, continued work at Ahern's in Perth. So that made me feel um, comfortable knowing I had something to go to, that the money would be coming in and Marcel would be able to get on with his new band and and get, you know, right into that. Perth was fantastic. Loved the heat. Uh, Marcel would pick me up after work. We would drive to the beach at about 35 degrees. I'd have to peel off my uniform and get to the beach and dig a wee hole in the sand while Marcel went surf fishing. So yeah. that was a, a really neat little habit we got into, actually. It was nice. It was keeping us connected there, doing yeah. our own thing, uh, fishing and, and living that life of a newly married couple in our little flat. Lynn's right. I look back on that part of our life really fondly. You know, I can I picture the, the beach and the heat and the sun setting over the Atlantic Ocean there. How long did you stay in Perth for? We were in Perth for about a year. Mushroom Records had wanted us to come to Sydney mm. to get started and start working hard to promote the band because we'd signed a record deal. So again, we've gone from Melbourne to Perth and Lynn and I, here we go again. We're yeah. off to Sydney. Aren't we, Lynn? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a place lined up in Sydney already to move into or did you have to bunk in with some friends? or My best friend at the time lived in a little flat in Bondi and I remember staying with her initially because Marcel went straight on the road with the band. That was the whole idea with them being over there. So. Yeah. I kind of just recall, yeah, being in in the front room of her flat and having that room, and and then a flat next door became available, and we were able to move into that flat next door. But meanwhile, so this is nineteen eighty six, we got married. So this is now nineteen eighty eight, and we were living in Sydney, and Marcel on the road coming home. That's when I found out that I was pregnant. That's yes, right. I was back in Perth. Yeah, well, you were doing two weeks of gigs in Perth. Yeah, and I didn't really want to go. It was um, a bit of a stressful situation. I didn't really want to leave Lynn. I was obliged to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to Perth, and then yeah. I got a phone call. It was very exciting because I remember what had happened is we had made that decision that we wanted to start a family because Marcel felt a lot more 
uh, stable, I guess, with the band being in Sydney and, mm. you know, he never really wanted to get married when he was on the road, but, you know, things things change and here it was and then it was like talking about a family. I was 30, almost 30 years old, and, yeah, it was something that we really wanted to do, so we had we thought about that. Yeah. And um, my dear friend Lizzie was having her her baby. It was the first sort of in our group at the time. And um, so we were very focused on babies and, and that stage. And it was wonderful news that um, that I was about to have a baby. And I remember ringing Marcel and, oh, my God, we were beside ourselves, just beside <laughs> ourselves. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I was at yeah. a gig. And I just could not believe it. And it you wrote such... a little poem. I did. You wrote a little poem, which is that yeah. I ended up framing it because it's in his handwriting, on in his little letter in the handwriting, and I had a photo of a, a, a wedding photo, and I've put it in a frame. Oh, that one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in one of the rooms. I was but... surprised Dad could write something like that. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. How did you feel, Dad, now that Mum was pregnant and you were still touring and travelling with the band? You probably didn't want to leave as much? Or... Well, I didn't want to leave as much, and it was once you're a parent, well, you know you're going to be a parent. Life is different. You, you found out, but then you had nine months to think about yes. what you were going to do. So obviously in that nine months, the band fell over. Yes, the yeah, band and, fell over. And then you would have been thinking, right, well, I've got a few more months before so-and-so is born. Yeah, and, before, and, before Harley's born. <laughs> before I was born, yeah. yeah. And then... Well, I had a job at um, Andy, the singer, who, um, who, who died. He had a, a part-time job lined up at a record store called yeah, Strand. I think, yeah, I think I've mentioned that. mentioned that. Yeah, yeah so um, I took that job. So I got into daytime work. Yeah. And I was still working for Clinique. So again, I went from Perth to Sydney and Clinique, I ended up mm. in the um, department store. David Jones David in Sydney. David Jones in Sydney oh, on yeah. the Clinique counter. So I worked right up until... Uh, you were born. Yeah. And so the income was coming in. Marcel was working at the Strand Megastore. We had our friends around us still. I felt good. I felt confident. I felt really excited about the upcoming birth. I've constant letter writing to mum and dad, of course, in New Zealand, because that's what you did. So what was it like when I was born finally? Scary, because you were so early. Uh, you were born at 32 weeks, so uh, I think that was eight weeks early. I was still at work, uh, really well looked after at yeah. uh, Royal Women's Hospital in Sydney. And back then, prem babies, uh, it, it was interesting. You know, they were just looking at new ways to deal with prem babies uh, and the wrapping of, of the babies, the feeding of the babies. Um, I was very much involved with that. Uh, Marcel would be working at the Strand and I would be at the hospital with you because you had to stay there for four weeks until you could feed. Yeah. And so Marcel would come up straight after work and sit and be with you uh, for that short time before we went home again. And every day I would go up to the hospital and feed and... We did that for four weeks. Yeah. Then we got you home, um, sort of pretty much more on your due date. So then how long did you stay in Bondi for? Well, we were in Bondi for for three years in total. In that time, we went home for a holiday. 
to New Zealand. And at that point, we were going visiting family in New Zealand and we were driving around and we were saying to each other, wow, could we live here? Do you think we could live in New Zealand? Do you think we could live in New Zealand? Mm. And of course, I got the letter from Steve Young from Vidmark Productions who said to me, if you ever want to come to New Zealand, you can come to New Zealand. I'll I'll have a job for you for six months to try. And so we decided that and... In the end, we left, made a decision to leave Bondi and moved to New Zealand. You're listening to Count Four and you're in. I just want to jump back to a few stories we should probably touch on. So there's a couple of stories that stick out in my mind from (laughs) my three years living in Bondi. Not that I really remember. First of all, Dad, please tell me about the incident when I fell out of the pram. Oh, God. (laughs) We've got to bring it up. You you were going to say that. Oh, all right. So Lynn was away and I was looking after you and the little kindy place that you were going every morning was only about a five minute walk from our flat. And um, I put you in the pram and and off we went. Um, The pathway to this kindy was on a little bit of a downward slope. (laughs) Next minute, I'm looking at you and you just slowly, like slow motion, you just fell straight forward out of the pram and head first onto the concrete. I nearly died with fright. You started screaming. It was like, oh my God. And the simple thing was, I just didn't strap you in. So when you're on left home, I didn't strap up the seatbelt, yeah. your seatbelt. It was really scary. Yeah. Anyway, of course, you had cut your forehead. You did another cut on your cheek, I think, and you started to bleed and you were screaming and there was a bruise <laughs> and people people came running and, uh-huh. and oh, I just, <laughs> just felt terrible. And I have to say, it's one of those stories that you constantly remind me of. I do, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What about the time that I almost got kidnapped on Bondi Beach? <gasps> oh, well, yes. Thanks for bringing that up. So you and I would go to the beach every morning. We'd be at the beach in the morning. Then we'd go home for lunch because we lived just up North Bondi there. We'd go home for lunch. You'd have a nap. Then we'd go back down to the beach late afternoon and wait for Dad to get off the bus and catch up. Uh, but this particular day you were getting a bit you know you were growing up by this stage you were close to three yeah two and a half three and so you knew the routine and you were comfortable there and after we'd been on the beach you'd run up the steps to get under the shower because you love to have the shower I was just so far behind you that when I looked up from the stairs a guy had picked you up Mm. and I instantly just yelled out. I think I just yelled out and and grabbed you. This guy just took off. I yelled out, put that child down. This man was taking you away from the beach. It was really scary. Yeah, it, it was, was scary. It was terrifying. Mm. Actually, yeah. I, I'll use the word terrifying. Yes. It was terrifying. Especially there, um, there was a policeman that lived next door to us and he wanted to take it a bit further and try and get description and everything because yeah. he said that this was a common occurrence. At the right. beaches at that time. Another few more seconds longer. If we had lost sight of you, if he'd crossed the road, we probably would not have seen you. Oh, don't say any more. Anyway. Keep listening to Count Four and you're in. So you've moved back to Dunedin. Jackson was not born yet, but you were six months pregnant, Mum. Guess you're starting a new life in Dunedin. And how did you find settling in? The positive thing was here we were with family. And that was wonderful experience. So we're starting again. We were very fortunate to get a house up in Halfway Bush uh, just to get started and get back into life. Marcel already had kicked into his new job, but also 
another band, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, again, just got back into the Dunedin way. I have to say I found it really difficult to make friends again. I think here you are at 30 years old and those that you grew up with at school or who were around you as neighbours, everyone's moved on and everyone's doing their own thing. Them yeah. uh, themselves have got married and started families. So initially a little bit lost I joined a really good group uh, for babies and um, I also, they were called Dunedin Parent Centre and that was a fabulous connection for me and with the babies. Yeah. And I also had Nairi, um, Steve's wife, Nairi was there and Nairi was a huge part of the whole birth for Jackson and being there for me and then you two, you know, growing up, um, I got into some part-time work and that just continued until you, you know, you get into full-time and, and obviously, um, yeah, being a mother, I, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. I We were very fortunate I didn't have to work those first couple of years with Jackson. I feel quite grateful, actually, that I was able to have that and not have to be back at work immediately. Marcel was working at Vibmark, but he also had these other band gigs, so that was bringing in a little bit of the extra money that compensated for me just doing some little part-time work. Yeah. And then, yeah, I got back into work. You know, I was very fortunate to be in sales. So, you know, I worked in sales for the wine industry for 10 years. I worked in sales for the art industry for a few years. I... um then was in real estate and sales again yeah. for another good seven years or so. And then, um, you know, now with New Zealand Blood Service. So I was very fortunate when I look back, I think of, you know, all my um, training I had, even just being in hospo initially when I was in my early 20s to follow Marcel around everywhere, yeah. you know, was was good. And then to have Clinique and the training that that gave me to be able to pursue the whole career of sales and loved being in that area. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, totally full-on taxi driver for two <laughs> teenage boys, uh, you know, and keeping on with you and what that involved. I have to say I've had this real love for um, boys, I suppose, teenage boys, and because I we never had a daughter, I just felt that I really fell right into the whole male teenage angst that you go through and the yeah. hormones and the the excitement of music and sport and <laughs> girls and um, I loved it all. I loved it all. And I think I felt that we were a very open, honest parents. Yeah. I think that you and your friends felt really comfortable with with everything about growing up. Um, For sure. I feel very privileged, you know, of the two boys that we've had. That was an absolute privilege. And I mean, it's good. it was good for us to be able to have parents who were like, you're able to talk to about stuff, mm. you know. It's like you made it so comfortable for us to, like, talk about things and feelings and mm. all that sort of stuff, which... It's you know, important. Eh? It's important to be able to like mm. talk about that stuff, and yeah, even some of the stuff might be quite hard to talk about at times. But like, it's it was good to have you know parents who cared yeah. about that stuff, and yeah, you know, 
I think well, we were able to bring that out too. I think we were quite open because all that time in Australia with all these musicians, they're incredibly accepting people. Mm. Like Marcel and I were very accepting of anyone and everyone. Yeah. By being open and talking and, yeah, we felt no sort of reserves with anything. Mm. One of the key things that I think what you're talking about, as I understand it, is that Lynn and I often used to say what you teenage boys were going through, even what you young men are going through today, we've been where you've been. Mm, yeah. Not that long ago. It, it does seem like a long time ago yeah. if you look at it in sheer numbers. But to be honest, we've experienced a lot of those things that you boys yeah. experienced. We've been young people too. Yeah, it's not that far away. You used to always say that to but us as well. But it's true though. Yeah, yeah. It's not, we've been where you've been. So it's easy to understand to a degree, how you're feeling? Yeah, because we've pretty much. It was felt always kind of like, things. oh, don't worry, like you know, we've been through that, or yeah, you so know, it not was, that long ago. So it's not such yeah. a big deal. I think he just let us live our lives and be there know, for be you, be there for us when we needed I it. I think so. Gave us a lot of love, and you know, I, th I think that's, that's all we could have asked for. Yeah, I know? think that's the way it is. So, given all that, we've end up with a happy family living in Dunedin. Mm. I'm doing music. Lynn still, and I have to say, to her credit. All those years, she's already talked about it. She's always kept the home fires burning. Yeah. She's always kept the house alive while I was away ticky touring. And I would be ever so grateful for the fact that she has been there from the moment I rang her in Canada and said, I think we should get married. Yeah. Even before that, she was grinding it out, you know, and she's always grounded out yeah. to allow me to go and do my business, my music business. And, um, yeah, here we are today, and we're still all together, still happy, and still smiling. And we've celebrated another wedding anniversary and still get excited about it and still like to talk mm. about it. Yeah. And we're just really lucky. We're still here. We're still happy and healthy, which is the main thing. And... Yes, I've put up with a musician all this time, <laughs> and yes, it drives me nuts sometimes, but, you know, very humbled by the most amazing man that he is. Well, I must say, and I'll probably speak on behalf of Jackson too, that, you know, we're pretty blessed to have the most amazing parents like you guys, so. Thank you, Harley. Thank That's you for cool. everything you've done for us. Awesome. Thank you, Harley. You've been listening to Count Four and You're In, a father and son podcast where Harley Rodiker chats to his dad, professional New Zealand drummer Marcel Rodiker. Listen out for the next episode. This podcast series is engineered and produced by Barry McConaughey in Dunedin, New Zealand. Mm -hmm.